command after command, there would have been a sense if they were really paying attention that this seems impossible. And there would have been a strong encouragement. You need to seek the Lord and keep seeking the Lord. And so the first point is seek the giver of good gifts. Look at verses 7 through 11 again. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asked him for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for fish, would give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? So we are to seek the giver of good gifts. And in verse 7, it's a progression that's building. Verse 7 says, ask and it will be given to you. So the first thing we do is ask. And then we're to seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. So you see the building progression there. And the idea in the, the, the Greek language is these, are, these words, these verbs are known as present imperative. So it's not just ask one time, but it's ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. Be persistent. And, and they build. So we're to ask the Lord. Maybe, maybe you're, you're, you could relate to the different things we heard about prayer today. You, your prayers feel cold and dry. Your heart feels cold and dry. You ask the Lord, Lord, would you please revive me? Holy Spirit, would you please fill me freshly? So you ask and you keep asking. You don't stop asking. You don't ask one time, I mean, imagine those of you who have kids or grandkids, when they, let's say when they're hungry or they want a cookie or they, they want a glass of juice or they want a soda and they see it, they spotted it. And now they're going to ask, and they're not going to ask you one time. They're going to ask you and ask you and ask you. They're going to be persistent. That's how we are to be with our relationship with the Lord. Ask and keep asking. The idea of seeking seems to, to go a little bit further. So maybe your prayer is, Lord, I want to know you more. I want to experience your power more. I want to experience your freedom more. I want to experience the abundant life that you promise. Well, that's a great prayer. But then the next natural step would be, Lord, I'm going to open your word. I'm going to read your word. I'm going to think about your word. I'm going to even memorize your word. I'm going to join a church. I'm going to actually go to the church that I join. And I'm going to be with God's people. And I'm going to open my life up to other people. And so you're asking, and then you're taking some action in your pursuit. You're, you're seeking, and then you're knocking. You are persistent. You are passionately persistent. You are not stopping. Jesus told a parable where he's honoring persistence in prayer. And this is the parable in Luke chapter 18. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Did you catch that? Pray and not lose heart. Some of you might be at the, the period of time I've, I've lost heart. No, I've actually lost heart a long time ago. Pray, do not Lose heart. Here's the parable. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in the city who kept coming to him and saying, 
Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, so the judge didn't listen. But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. So the persistence is honored and commended. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, he will find faith on earth. So we are to be persistent. We are, if we really believe God is who he, who he says he is, he's the maker of heaven and earth. He's the one who spoke all things into existence. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is all-loving. He is all-wise. And he invites us through Jesus to come to his throne of grace boldly. Then we can keep coming. He never gets tired of hearing your voice, of seeing your face, seeing your tears, of, of seeing your joy. It brings him great delight. Verse 8 says, For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be open. Here's the thing. If you are a Christian, God loves you so very, very much. He loves you way more than you could ever imagine. And we know that because he sent his son Jesus to live for you, die in your place, pay for the punishment that you deserve, and Jesus rose from the grave on the third day. So when God sees you, you are covered in Jesus' perfect righteousness. And he invites you to come, to keep coming, to be very, very persistent. I want you to get this. So hopefully to help you remember, I have some props today. This is a tennis ball. To you, this looks like a tennis ball. To me, this looks like a tennis ball. To my chocolate lab Hershey, this is pure delight. This is, this is what he lives for. This is what he was made for. He is a chocolate lab who is trained or, or genetically somehow made by God to find great delight in retrieving. And so this tennis ball, as soon as Hershey would, would get it, he will bring it back to us over and over and over again, when we're tired of throwing it, when we're tired of hitting it with a tennis racket, when it's covered in slobber, he just keeps dropping at our feet over and over and over again. He's 11 years old, which is old for a dog. And even when his body is failing, he is relentless in dropping this at our feet so that he can find joy. So that's how we should think about prayer God is the source of true satisfaction and joy. And so we should be relentless. Keep going no matter how tired you are, no matter how you feel, no matter if you feel nothing. Faith is, I believe you are who you say you are in your words. So I'm going to keep coming. Just like Hershey keeps relentlessly coming over and over again. These are words to live by. Keep seeking. Keep asking. And then, and Jesus is, is looking at a crowd, and he's most likely looking at a crowd that's like us. 
some messy people, some complicated people, some complicated situations, some people that feel really ashamed of their complicated choices and situations that they've made. And so he wants them to know that God is going to honor their persistence. Look at verse 9. Or which one of you, if a son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? God's not going to be cruel to you. So, to help us, hey dad, I really like a loaf of warm bread. I'm hungry. Here you go, son. Here's a stone. Break all your teeth and enjoy. Like a human father's not going to do that. How much more a perfect father. When you ask, sometimes he says no, but even that is for our good. But many times he says, yes, I'm not going to give you a stone. I'm going to give you what is best for you, what will satisfy you. Then he has another example. Or if he asks for a fish, why give him a serpent? Why give him a snake? Dad, I really like salmon tonight with a little bit of obey and a lot of butter. Okay, son, well, here you go. Close your eyes. Got something for you. Here you go. No, no, dad's going to do that. He, stop thinking of the Lord like that. Stop looking at the Lord through your maybe present circumstances and thinking, well, that, that's what it feels like. That's not who he is. He's not going to trick you. He's not going to give you a snake when you ask him for fish or whatever it is. See, part of prayer is, is believing God is who he says he is. It takes faith to believe in the God revealed in the Bible who is the one true God. Then he says in verse 11, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, I mean, we're, we're fallen by nature, we're sinful by nature, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? You can ask Him for good gifts. Noah and Rachel are receiving a good gift, a gift of marriage. That's a good gift from a loving Father. Keep seeking, keep asking, keep knocking. As Jesus is landing this sermon plane, he's now going to go into a, another subject. And this subject really is going to be a summary statement of all that he has taught so far in the Sermon of the Mount. And you know this summary statement. Even if you didn't grow up in a church, you know this summary statement. You know it as most likely as what's called the golden rule. So this is what he says. In Matthew 7, verse 12. So the plane has turned the corner. It's starting to come down. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law in the prophets. So the point I'm calling this, treat others how you desire to be treated. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law in the prophets. In other words, if you do this, you are fulfilling the law and the prophets, the command to love the Lord and to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, if you've studied this at all, you, you, you might know that many religions and philosophies have some version of the so-called golden rule. The NIV study Bible says it this way. The so-called golden rule is found in negative form in Judaism, in Hinduism, in Buddhism, in Confucianism, it also occurred in various forms in Greek and Roman ethical teaching. 
For whatever reason, it, it often shows up in the, the negative form. Don't, don't do this. Now, Jesus takes that and he spins it and he puts a, a positive spin on it. He says, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Now, what makes Christianity unique is it's the only faith where part of the faith is is the power to actually do it. So everybody could have it, but by nature, we're going to fail. We're going to fail to do it. We're going to fail to to love our neighbor as ourselves. We're going to fail to do whatever we wish would be done to ourselves, to others. We're going we're to miss that at times. Well, this morning, some of you might have watched me as I was carrying this poster around and having people sign it or, or sign their initials and write a line on it. It might be hard to see from where you're sitting. But So what this is, is most of our office staff, I told them nothing. I said, all I need you to do is write your initials and draw a straight line. And nobody actually asked any questions. They all wrote their initials and drew a straight line, which was really nice. Um, so we got myself, Dave Marshall, Melissa Jones, Melissa Baum, Maris Marshall, Cynthia Snyder, Kathy Carney. I didn't get everybody, but I got most. Well, these lines, these look fairly straight. They look pretty good. Um, and if you look closely, some look better than others. Um, but none of them, if you have a ruler beside them, are actually straight. Pick on Dave and myself for a moment. So Dave's looks straight from a distance, but a little crooked. Uh, mine looks somewhat straight, but it actually has a big curve to it. We'll pick on um, Cynthia. Hers has got a little bit of curve to it as well. See, here's the thing. When it comes to the law and living by the law, what, what, what we tend to do as humans is compare ourselves with one another. So some of us are a little more crooked than others. Some of us are a little... Um, more accurate, more precise than others. But when we compare it to the perfect standard, the perfect rule, which is God's word, all of us fall short. So the use of the law in the Bible kind of goes two ways. One is a standard, a measuring stick. So think of it this way with Matthew 7, 12. Do you always and have you always perfectly applied this golden rule? So whatever you wish to others, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. So have you, and do you, and will you perfectly apply this your whole life? Probably not. I would say definitely not. I have not. So let's just use one example. Um, Your kids are throwing a total tantrum. Do you come in with great patience and love and gentleness and kindness? That's the goal, right? That's not the reality all the time. Uh, let's say you got cut off in traffic. God bless you. May God's grace be. That's not what comes out of your mouth if you're honest. That's not what's in your heart. Um, you're, not, you're not really doing this at times. See, God's law functions two ways. One, it's a standard. We fall short. And that drives us to Jesus. That's kind of the point of the Sermon on the Mount. You need a Savior. This is impossible to live out without a Savior. But then Jesus saves us. You turn from your sins. You trust in Him. And you have followed the One and put your faith in the One who could draw perfectly straight. 
If Jesus drew a line, it would be perfect because he perfectly met the standard. He is the standard. So then what happens is when you become a Christian, you're made a new creation. God's Spirit comes inside of you. And now you have power to do what is not natural to you to do. So you can actually walk out this golden rule. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, also do to them. For this is the law and the prophets. One commentator I was reading, uh, James Montgomery Boyce, he said that, that this golden rule, it's kind of like a, a pocket knife. I took it a step further, asked Jim Allshouse if I could borrow his multi-purpose tool. Once you think of the golden rule as a multi-purpose tool, or if you remember Swiss Army knives, or I bike a lot and I have a multi-purpose Allen wrench tool that I keep with my bike in my bike bag, it has multiple purposes. Well, what he said about the golden rule, which I think is very insightful, is imagine you're in a people situation. You have no idea what to do. It came up very suddenly, just like right on you. Maybe it's um, you're at a grocery store and the people in front of you are fighting with the, the, the person at the checkout. Maybe it's your, there's a car wreck and you just happen to be right on the scene. Maybe it's something at work and somebody gets promoted above you, and you, you feel stuff. Well, he's saying this verse is like a useful pocket knife or Swiss army knife or multi-purpose tool. You can just, before you even have a chance to, to pray and seek counsel, maybe you don't have that opportunity. Okay, you, you go right to this golden rule, these words to live by. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Maybe you're at work and you, you hear that a coworker just had sudden tragedy happen in their family. You think, okay, well, I have no idea what to say or do, but I can at least get my mind around. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. There would be kindness. There would be mercy. There would be compassion. That's what you would want done to you. So you can, you can use this verse as a, a guide to know what to do in difficult people situations. They could be a wide variety. I don't know about you, but I, I find Sheets parking lots one of the most difficult uh, driving experiences in our little small town. Um, they, they thought of everything except how to get the traffic going the right way in their parking lot. So maybe you get cut off. Maybe somebody gives you a hand gesture. Maybe it's sudden. Okay, what, what should I do? I want to I treat them how I want to be. Oh, maybe they just didn't see me. Maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe, they, you know, who knows what. But I'm going to just show them mercy. I'm going to overlook that. Um, maybe right after church today, you're going to go to a grocery store to get something for a picnic. And while you're there, there's a, a younger mom in line and kids are just melting down, throwing groceries out of the cart. They're not your kids. You don't even know the lady. Well, what, if I was in that situation, what would I want someone to do? I want them to help me. I want them to not stare at me. I want them not to scowl at me. I, I want to show compassion. Hey, this, this won't last forever. Well, I'll help you. Maybe even pay for the groceries. Uh, so you can pull this out like a utility knife, like a multi-purpose tool. When you're locked in conflict with a friend or a relative, okay, what would I want? I want them to at least own what they can own. Lord, help me to own what I can own. 
Um, maybe you're driving, somebody has a flat tire. And you know how to fix a flat tire. What would you do? Uh, maybe your neighbor goes to the hospital for a few days. Okay, if I went to the hospital a few days, that would kind of be nice if my neighbor mowed my lawn and helped a little bit if, and asked me if I needed anything. See, you can just pull this out and it has lots of potential help for you to love God and love others. And we have power to do it unlike any other religion or philosophy. Now as Jesus lands this sermon plain, he is going to warn and appeal to the larger crowd that is present. And this is what he says in verses 13 and 14. And under the heading, take the narrow, I have a typo there, take the narrow path of faith in Christ. Take the narrow, the narrow path of faith in Christ um, verse 13 says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many, for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leave, leads to life. And those who find it are few. So he has two, two images, a gate and a path, a gate and a way. One is a narrow gate, and a narrow path. One is a wide gate and a wide path. And he gives two options. And really, in many ways, it's, it's that simple. That you either go this way or that way, Jesus is saying. You either go with me or you go the way of the world. The way of the world is broad. The, the gate, the entry point is broad and the pathway is broad. The way through me is narrow. And the pathway is narrow. And at times it will be very difficult. But I will be with you. And I will help you. So he wants them to get the image. So in order to enter the narrow gate, it starts by putting our faith in Jesus Christ alone. We come to that gate who is Jesus. We turn from our sinful lifestyle. If we have an outwardly sinful lifestyle, we drop all those bags. If we're moral and arrogant and self-righteous, we drop all those bags. We turn, we repent, we put our faith in Jesus, and we enter. And then we begin to follow, and we follow Jesus the whole way until our very last day. And then we go to be with him forever. Or, by nature, all of us are on the broad way. We've gone through the broad gate. We're we're just giving in to our sinful passions and desires and all that the world celebrates. And we're just kind of going. And at times, if you're over here, you're looking over here, and it looks happy. It looks satisfying. It looks like they're, they're, they're okay. And Jesus is warning. And, and if you're familiar with John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, it, a lot of the images play on this idea that Pilgrim, he, he becomes a Christian. He drops his, his baggage he puts his faith in Christ and he, he starts his journey, this progress to heaven, to the celestial city where, where he will be with God forever. And at times he gets off the path and when he gets off the path it has consequences but the Lord comes back and takes care of him and pulls him back in. Jesus says this. He's, he says in, in John 14, 6, I am the way, 
I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You could accurately say, I am the only way, the only truth, the only life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if you listen to that, Christianity is extremely exclusive. Meaning there is one way to know the living God who made heaven and earth. It's through faith in Jesus Christ. It is the only way. The reason it's the only way is because Jesus is the only one that solves the problem of our human rebellion against a holy God. And so he's the only way. So it's very exclusive, and that can offend people. But it's also extremely inclusive in the fact that he says anyone and everyone who comes through this gate, through me, will be saved. You're all invited in. So there's only one way, but that way is, is an invitation to all. So like this time of year, maybe you get graduation invitations in the mail or wedding invitations in the mail or different kinds of invitations to birthday parties or different celebrations. All those invitations are to a select group of people. Even if it's a big event, it's probably a few hundred. Maybe it's a huge event, a few thousand. This invitation is to all humanity of every generation. You're all invited. And Jesus says this in John 6, 37. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Whoever. If you come through this gate, who is Jesus, he said about himself, he said, I'm the door, I'm the way to a relationship with God the Father. I will never cast you out. No matter what you have done, no matter the guilt you carry, the regret, the remorse, Jesus, Jesus, I'm here. Please forgive me. I'm done with all that. I believe that you died in my place. He says, come on in. And he's excited. He doesn't just say, come on in and not make eye contact. He looks at you. There's a smile. There's joy. Behind him is the whole angelic host celebrating that the lost has been found. The dead has been made alive. The blind can see. All that is celebration in heaven. So you come through the gate that's narrow, and now you're on this path. And that path, if you've been walking with Jesus for a while, it is good, but it can be very, very difficult. Sometimes hard to see. Well, the way to see is by using the light of God's word. So in Psalm 119, 105, the Bible says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word, your word illuminates the way I should go. Your word helps me to see my next step. If I don't, I can't see out in front, but I know the next step. So that comes with having his word, reading his word, believing his word. I don't know why my dog Hershey's getting so much airtime today, but Hershey's 11. He likes to play fetch, uh, but his eyesight's kind of messed up. He's, he's having problems. And so we have steps in our house, and in the daytime, he can navigate the steps well. In the nighttime, if we have lights off, he, he really he gets stuck at the top of the steps and he can't, can't get down. So the other night, I turned on my phone, flashlight, and as soon as he could see the step, he went right down. 
See, when he couldn't see, he's afraid to go. He doesn't know what to do, and he's shaking at the top. As soon as he sees the next step, by the light that illuminates it, he can go forward. Well, God's word is to function that way so that we know what to do, where to go. So there's a narrow gate and a narrow way, and there's a broad gate and a broad way. I've lived in both worlds. I've lived in the broad way and just kind of went with the passions and sinful cravings of my heart. And there's a moment, there's a time where the reason sin is so attractive is because there is an element of pleasure. Now that, that pleasure is like a big juicy worm on a hook. So it, it, if you're the fish, they take a bite of it. Oh, that tastes great. And then all of a sudden they're hooked. And now they got a big hook in their mouth and now they're on the fillet table um, only 20 minutes later. So it's, it, it has some pleasure and it has massive consequences. Well, the Broadway... The image I have in my mind is kind of like if you've been to the Clarion River, I'm sure yesterday and today and tomorrow, it will be packed with tubers on inner tubes and kayakers going down the stream. And it's, everybody's having fun. And you're just kind of going down with the current. That's the broad way. The broad way goes with the current of our sinful desires, goes with the, the current of our world that we live in, and it just kind of goes, and there's no resistance to it. The narrow gate and the narrow way is like being at that same river, but you have to go upstream. You're going the opposite way. God, the Holy Spirit, is empowering you to do it, but it can be difficult. You can lose your footing at times. And when you do, sometimes you you lose your footing, you stumble back. Jesus is the good shepherd. He comes and he grabs you. He pulls you back in. He, and the Holy Spirit then puts wind in your sails. He gives you power. I'll keep Keep going. But at times, if you're honest, you look over and you see the people in the Broadway, boy, man, they're having a great time. They look like they're having fun. This feels hard. My, my ankles are tired. My, my knees are hurting. Um, why are we doing this? I can't remember why we're doing this. And you're just trudging up the river. And they're just kind of floating down the stream. Well, Jesus tells us what happens to this group. Destruction awaits those who do not have a Savior. There's a holy God that is just, and he will punish those who do not have a Savior. And so though what looks like fun for a time ends in destruction. And having lived in this broad stream for a while as a teenager, not only does it look fun, but oftentimes people are lying. They, be, they become enslaved. You, you're no longer in control. You can't get free even if you want to get free. And so it's not even true. So those of you who are enticed by that reality, whether that's actually seeing it or seeing it on social media, it just looks fun. You gotta believe God's word that there is, there, eternity is real. Heaven and hell are real. The only way you're gonna make it to heaven is through the gate that is Jesus. He is our perfect savior and substitute. There's no life in that way. And so if you're over here, Part of our call is to rescue those who are over there. They're no different than us. Same human nature. We've been saved, so we're to rescue. We're to appeal. We're to be ambassadors for Jesus. Come over here. There's life over here. There's a Savior over here. There's forgiveness. There's there's the end of guilt and shame and remorse and regret. There's freedom. 
There's life. See, the narrow gate leads to life. The narrow gate is difficult. Jesus tells us to count our costs. The broad way appeals to our passions and desires. The broad way is going to be always celebrated by popular culture. The broad way does inevitably lead to destruction. Maybe you're on that broad way and you've had a taste. Oh, this isn't what I thought it was. You can call to Jesus now. He will rescue you. Maybe you are a follower of Jesus, but you've slipped and you've turned and you've, you've gone back. He will always go after those who are straying. You can turn today. Now, there may be serious consequences depending on what you have done, but he, his love, his mercy, his rescuing will not go away if you call out to him this morning. He says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. Those who enter are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. Those who find it are few. See, in this whole section that we looked at this morning, he's giving us words to live by. See, Satan is the the prince of this world. He wants to destroy you. Jesus is the exact opposite. Listen to what he said in John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came, this is Jesus speaking, that they may have life and have it abundantly. That is why Jesus came to earth. That is the king that you want to follow, that we want to put our trust in and give our worship to. So let me pray. If you wouldn't mind standing and the worship team can come up and we'll respond in singing to our King. Lord, thank you for these words to live by. Lord, as John Bunyan said hundreds of years ago, may these illustrations stick like burrs in our minds and our souls. May we remember them to our last days. Lord, may we not take the bait and see the appeal. May we see sin for what it truly is, and the destruction that is inevitable um, in the pursuit of it. And so would you help us? Help us to find joy in you. May we keep asking and seeking and knocking. Lord, help us to be passionate followers of you. We ask for your help and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.